Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. Today's guest is a repeat guest. His name is Scott Share, Dr. Scott Share. The first episode I ran with him was episode 69, where we talked about the benefits of hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And Scott's a man who wears many, many hats. And one of the hats that he wears is as chief operating officer of a company called Troscriptions that make trochies. Primarily, they started with methylene blue trochies and then have moved on to other ones that deliver different types of benefits. So we talk about all of that in the episode. We talk a lot about methylene blue, what it's amazing for, some of the myths around it, some the things that people get scared around methylene blue, like the whole idea that it might be fish tank cleaner. There is methylene blue in fish tank cleaner, but obviously this is not what we're talking about. So if you want to learn more about transcriptions, you can go to transcriptions.com. If you decide you simply must buy it for yourself and use discount code NAT10, and that will save you 10% off your purchase. If you get value from this episode or know anybody who would, please share it out, leave us a review. You know what to do. And if you're looking to connect with me, you know, of course, that you can reach me natnidham.com and on Facebook. So before we dive into the episode, there's going to be a quick word from our sponsor, and then you're all good to go. Enjoy. Hey folks, I have something so exciting to tell you, and that is that the Women's Longevity and Resilience Retreat is happening again, and it is happening this November from the 9th to the 13th in Cabarete on the beach in the Dominican Republic, and it is shaping up to be just as awesome as the first one was in March. The response from the participants was just overwhelmingly amazing. We had such an amazing time hosting it. And so Dasha and I decided that we wouldn't wait a year for the second one. We would do one in the fall to get us ourselves and our participants ready for the winter, no matter what it brings. So if this sounds even of any interest to you, please go to my website, natnidham.com, go to the retreats tab at the top of the page, and you'll get a bunch of information there along with a link to book a free call with Dasha and I to see if this is right for you. So thank you so much and enjoy the rest of the episode. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Scott Sher. It is such a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks for having me back, Nat. I guess I was episode, what you said, 69 before we started? Yeah. Lucky number 69. So, well, thank you for having me back. It's nice to see you again. It's my pleasure. And and I mean, you know what, guys, Scott and I, once we get together, it's it's a big old gab fest. So we've probably- been- It's always an excuse to hang out and talk. So yeah, we've been talking for at least an hour before we're getting started here. Exactly. We have nothing left to talk about. Actually, that's not true. <laughs> With the one thing we didn't talk about is the topic of this episode. So what episode 69 is about, for those of you who are interested, is one of- Dr. Scott's many hats is the HBOT guy, which is hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So if you're interested in hyperbaric oxygen therapy and all of the amazing things it can do for you and Scott's own personal background story, then you'll want to dial back to episode 69, which aired, I believe it was last December, 2021, which by the time this one hits the airwaves will be 
almost a year ago. Uh, but today we are talking about the other hat that Scott wears, which is actually, I was going to say it's kind of like a Smurf hat, but actually it's more multicolored. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a little, it's a little broader than blue. And those of you who are watching on, what's the name of that channel? Oh yeah, YouTube will notice that my tongue is super blue. I was almost kind of getting darker because I had to take a little bit of trocom to take the edge off the caffeine, which we'll talk about as well. Nice. Yes. There's a lot of caffeine in it, but we'll talk about the amplification effects of the different Indeed. ingredients. But before we get to any products or anything that anybody could possibly get their hands on, we're going to start with what the heck is methylene blue? Some people say it's a mitochondrial optimizer. Other people say, oh my God, it's fish tank cleaner. Why would you ever put that in your body? Clearly sure. it's poison and these crazy biohackers have completely lost the plot and are trying to kill themselves. So Yes. Off you go. All of that is true. All of those <laughs> things are possible. And all of those things need to be divided up into sections and to front people understand that there's obviously more nuance than clickbait headlines will let you believe. And that's the way the world works these days. It's all about how can you get as much fanfare, as many eyeballs as possible, as quickly as possible. So it was interesting. Yeah. So one of the athletes that I work with uh, she's a great, great lady. Her name is Jordan. She went online and she was using methylene blue with me. And we were talking about how to use it. She's a marathon runner, uh, a long distance runner. And so we were using it in a way to see if it would increase her performance times. And what she initially noticed is that it was helping her mood. She felt like her mood was better, that she was just happier. And there's actually reasons for that. Methylene blue actually acts. And we'll talk more about this as a little bit of a a monoamine oxidase inhibitor. So it actually releases additional neurotransmitters when you take it, even at low doses. And so she was feeling that effect. And she was also feeling that it was actually improving her running times. And so we had her on and took a couple of pictures. And then what happened was it got picked up by some people in the running community who are physicians or play doctors on TV kind of deal on Twitter. And around, whole, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. And then this whole controversy started as, I can't believe this lady and that other people are using methylene blue and this is fish tank cleaner and they're going to kill themselves. And I can't believe they're doing this, et cetera, et cetera. And so it, it actually brought up a really great conversation for my team, the transcriptions team, which is the name of the company that makes these products. But it was really interesting to kind of go through that whole process of recalibrating people's mind and understanding of what methylene blue truly is. And it's actually interesting, you know, methylene blue was the first drug that was registered by the FDA back in the 1890s. Kidding. Be no, before that, it was actually used in textile and manufacturing, and it was the coloring of blue jeans before additional dyes were made. So it was a textile, it was a dye, but somehow maybe they were on psychedelics. I have no idea how they figured this out, but they figured out that methylene blue actually worked against malaria. So even to this day, methylene blue is used for malaria. And in fact, for a long time, once antibiotics and antivirals and antiprotozoas came out in the 1950s, it was kind of put to the wayside for a number of different reasons, but mostly because methylene blue turns your urine blue and at high doses, it can turn your other secretions blue as well. And so as a result of that, yeah. methylene blue became... What's that? Like tears and things? Like a little bit, but only at really, really high doses of methylene blue we're talking about. Not nothing that is that what you need for malaria? So at higher doses, yes. You need higher doses for uh, for its anti-infectious capabilities. Methylene blue needs to be used at higher doses, basically. And so, but in the beginning, it was being used because there were no there was no no such thing as antibiotics, no such thing as anti antivirals, no such thing as antifungals. And so it was found very quickly in the 1890s and early 1900s, up until through and through World War II. 
methylene blue was used in this category of an antifungal, an antibacterial, and an antiprotozoal for the for the malaria parasite. But what I was mentioning earlier is that it's actually coming back into play because a lot of the drugs that we use for malaria, the malaria parasite is now resistant to. And so methylene blue is coming back into play because it's this, this compound that's been around and it still works for malaria as well. So, so it's actually, I can't remember the name of the actual category, but it's actually ivermectin is one of those drugs. That's like that the, that some sort of organization says is like the essential drugs on the list of drugs for the entire planet. <laughs> methylene blue is on that list too, for these, oh, okay. for this particular reason. Yeah. So it's been around for that long and has that much safety data to back up its use, even at high doses, even making your, not even just your urine, but also your poop and your other secretions blue at higher, at very, very high doses. But so methylene blue started off as this compound being used in that category of an anti-infectious category. And then in the, in the 1950s, when antibiotic, antibiotics came around, they, methylene blue sort of came by the wayside and then the antibiotics became more popular, obviously the penicillins of the world and the antifungals and things like that. But what's interesting is that during that same time frame, it was still being used and transitioned to being used as an antiseptic in fish tanks and other types of aquatic environments because of its anti-infective capacity. Okay. And it's still used that way in fish tank cleaner, but it's not used to the kind of regulatory I think the, the best way to say it is that like the, in fish tank cleaner, you have like 2% methylene blue and the rest of it is not methylene blue right. as opposed to like when, you, when you're using fish tank yeah. cleaner, you're right. like, to be clear, guys, you can't just yeah. pack this and go buy some fish yeah. tank cleaner. Yes. Right. Because it's only 2% methylene blue. And, the, and actually there's significant amounts of impurities in methylene blue as well. That's in fish tank cleaner up to 10 or 11% heavy metals as well, which, you know, you don't want to mess around with. And then additionally, it's got other stuff that's not methylene blue, but the, in the, what it comes down to it is methylene blue by itself is not only an anti-infective in the 1950s. We also found out that it had anti uh, it had other properties that were improving the mitochondrial function as well. And they realized this because in laboratory staining, when it's actually, it's used in laboratory staining still now, and like laboratory analysis, you use methylene blue to stain mitochondria. So they realized pretty early on that something was happening to methylene blue to make it to concentrate in your mitochondria itself. Mm -hmm. And so that was an initial interesting aspect. And then it took a while to figure out what that meant. And also in the 1950s, the first antipsychotic drugs were actually derived from methylene blue because methylene blue has what I was mentioning early, earlier, monoamine oxidase inhibition properties. MAOI inhibition properties means that if you have a product like that, if you have a compound like that, it's going to increase the, the, the amount of several neurotransmitters in your synaptic cleft for a longer period of time, including dopamine and serotonin as well. So some drugs were derived from methylene blue in those early 1950s as well. But was most interesting to, to us as a company, as we were making our products and using methylene blue is that what became very evident in the late 20th century and the early 21st century is that there are about eight or so different ways that mitochondria benefit because of using methylene blue at low doses, pharmaceutical grade, obviously, you know, with lack of impurities and all that kind of stuff. And it works directly in the mitochondria by increasing your complex four activity, cytochrome, cytochrome oxidase. It makes it work better, work faster and more efficiently. It also, methylene blue works just like oxygen in your mitochondria, and it actually accepts electrons from your electron transport chain, just like oxygen would. And this is if oxygen's around, 
and if oxygen's not around. And actually this is how methylene blue is still used in the medical setting. It's used for something called methahemoglobinemia, which is basically when you're, you're not able to utilize oxygen in your cells for a number of different reasons. The most common reason actually is carbon monoxide poisoning. So basically your red blood cells won't dump oxygen into your tissues and you need another source of electron accepting so that you can still make ATP right. in your mitochondria. So methylene blue works just like oxygen in that capacity. It also, in addition, changes the conformity of oxygen on your red blood cells so that more oxygen does get dumped into your tissue, uh, even at low doses of methylene blue. Mm -hmm. And in addition, it also increases your pool of NAD plus in your mitochondria as well, which helps you make more energy. So those are just a couple of the ways that, that methylene blue is working to support your mitochondrial function. And in addition, it also works as an antioxidant because it's an electron cycler. So you, you get the, the, the benefit of at lower doses, it gets reduced by the electrons on the electron transport chain, but it also gets reduced by reactive oxygen species that are around from wow. ATP metabolism from oxygen metabolism. So you have this protective aspect of methylene blue at low doses. Now at higher doses, usually uh, after the, about three milligrams per kilogram and above. So ext extremely high doses. Okay. What's a low dose? What's a high yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. So less, less than three milligrams per kilogram is typically thought of as a lower dose. Now within that is a, a spectrum, I would say in the sense that much lower dose than that has been studied for mild cognitive impairment and Alzheimer's disease at like 16 milligrams or so of methylene blue. And that's much lower than even one milligram per kilogram, obviously. Mm -hmm. So we think that these lower doses of methylene blue, especially are truly mitochondrial enhancers and work in all the different ways that I just described. That's amazing. I'm curious. I mean, this sounds to me like an amazing compound that virtually maybe we should all be have walk, be walking around with a blue tongue all the time. Like, is the yes. point of diminishing return? Do you think that for someone like me, who's all, you know, I'm always looking to optimize. Sure. And we know that I think what's becoming more and more apparent is that our mitochondria are under, are being challenged in many different ways from modern living, right? Sure. In, in many ways. So would it make sense for us to be using a low dose of methylene blue on a daily basis? Or is it the kind of thing that you might say, ah, you know what, there's a, it's a U curve, like so many things are sure. maybe once or twice a week is more optimal or three times a week for someone who's reasonably healthy and, and is basically in a, in a somewhat homeostatic state somewhat. Right. It's, yes. Yeah. It's a really good question. And you know, we don't know really the answer right now. My sense of it though, is that depending on your environmental load of toxicity in the sense of what your internal and external environment are doing on a daily basis to try to optimize. Obviously a lot of us, a lot of people listening to this podcast, I'm sure are doing a really good job or trying to do a good job optimizing their internal and external environments. But the challenge is that we live in the environment that we do with yeah. the lighting, the food, the water, even if we do our best, we know that we're not as optimal as we could be because it's just not possible. Yeah. My sense, Nat, is that probably all of us could benefit from a low dose of this or in a on a regular basis. Does that mean every day? Does that mean three times a week? I don't really know yet. But yeah. the good thing about the, the methylene blue is I don't see there being sort of a diminishing return aspect over time okay. because the idea of how methylene blue is working is it's not clocking your system. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of stimulants, a lot of other nootropics that are well-known, they're going to clock you, right? Caffeine, nicotine, and we'll talk about those. They have fantastic qualities, but they do clock your system. They 
stimulate your system. They cause increase and release of various things that mm-hmm. you know can clock you over the time and deplete you over time. But the thing about methylene blue that's different is it's that it has this ability also to support you mm-hmm. in supporting your system. It's optimizing energy function. It's creating some antioxidant reserve for you. It's decreasing inflammation as a result of that at the same time as it's making you more optimized to make energy and do that over the long term. So I see it as even though it's a synthetic, so that's let's be honest here, this is not a natural product. This is synthetic drug. This is a synthetic compound that's been around a long time. My sense of it is that it's something that people can take over the longer term because it's got this health optimization aspect of it, along with this potential performance optimization aspects as well with some of the neurotransmitter aspects of things. And it does increase oxygen or or ATP, ATP production to some degree, but it's still supporting the system as well. So I think it's probably something that people can take regularly. And then for the last couple of years that we've been around, we've been seeing how users are interacting with the products and how it's being used. And you know, typically like most people, when they try something that they, that their body really wants or needs, they typically will feel that bump very quickly. And so if somebody tries methylene blue for the first time, low dose, say they take four, 60 or four, four to 16 milligrams, depending on their, where they want to start. But usually when, when we make dosing in our products, it's all titratable. As you know, Nat, you don't have to take the full trochee. You can take a quarter or a half. Nobody told me, by the way. Yeah, we're, we're learning. We're learning. It's okay. <laughs> um, but no, we usually have people start like a, a, at a quarter or a half of our, our dosing and then kind of titrate it up from there. But a common thing that happens for people that are relatively well-optimized when they first take methylene blue is they're like, whoa, mm-hmm. something just happened. And this is even without any stimulants inside the formula as well. And if that happens to you, that's a good sign actually that you're pretty well optimized and that all you need to do is a little, have a little bit more support and you're going to even get to that next sort of and- progression of your, your optimization journey, whatever that might look like for you. Right. The key with all of this stuff though, Nat, as you know, is that nothing goes in a vacuum, right? We're talking about methylene blue as a fantastic supportive compound here, but what are you doing to optimize your internal and external environments is first and foremost when it comes down to it. And these products are here to support you and, and potentially help you recover from other aspects of your, your lifestyle, your conditions, your, your uh, things that are happening to you, like for example, infections or, and we're doing a lot of work with methylene blue now in the clinical side, uh, not on, on the, the product side in the company, but on the clinical side in, in post-viral syndromes and yeah. especially one particular virus that's happening yeah. to not happen as much as now, now, but we're having a lot of post-viral kinds of, kinds of things that are happening. And then even in, in other doses, it's being used as an antibacterial and antiprotozole. And some of the, my colleagues that are using it in like in Lyme in co-infections as well. I was going to ask that because that is a community, the Lyme EBV toxic mold, like the, the right. this whole, and it seems to be this, this amorphous cloud that it appears to me that once you fall prey to one, either the other ones were present and allowed this to happen, or you, you just become more susceptible to, to everything else in your environment, which is, which is there. I mean, the truth right. of the matter right. is that for those of us who are in a certain state, we're pretty resilient not to be affected by a lot of these things, right? but right. whatever the conditions are that happened, whether you were in a mold infested house and didn't know it, or you got bitten by a tick or, you know, and that load overcomes your body's ability to deal with it. The threshold. Yeah. You, yeah. You cross that threshold. So what do you like in those communities? Cause as you're talking, I'm like, okay, well, what about mold? What about, <laughs> what about, yeah. and what about, you know, the long haulers, let's say right. in those cases, and we were going to talk about this, like, obviously just popping a trochee in your mouth probably isn't going to solve your problems. It might give you an indication that 
hey, I feel a little bit better. Maybe I need to investigate this and see a practitioner and talk about using it in a in a right. therapeutic way kind of thing because right. therapy is really designed as an optimizer right right it's, it's designed as a nootropic but yeah the way i the way i use it in clinical practice and like the post-covid people for example it's a good example because the the neuroinflammatory aspects of those things are significant and mm-hmm. that's what i'm seeing at least and i think a lot of the the reactivation of some of these other sort of viral prodromes maybe ebv maybe other th- HHV six and others that people are seeing and getting tested for and being positive for when they have like these post COVID symptoms or these, what I really think is happening, it's a neuroinflammatory kind of environment. And so if you're giving something that can help sort of squash some of that neuroinflammation, which methylene blue can do because it's an antioxidant. So it's going to help deal with some oxidative load that's happening and maybe building up in your cells at the same time as supporting you, giving you more energy. And so I've had a number of people over the last several years that have come to me, and this is mostly on my hyperbaric side of things, but they'll say, but they know about the work in methylene blue that I do. And, and they'll be taking these uh, taking methylene blue and seeing dramatic changes in their cognitive potential and their cognitive processing and their in their brain fog and their fatigue and and it's actually been quite remarkable to me to see this and and so I think from like a neuroinflammatory perspective I think methylene blue on its own can be very helpful of course doing the the other work and understanding you know why you ended up having long COVID symptoms is extremely important because I do think and I'm sure you're on the same train as me here Nat is that if you are one of those I think probably about thirty percent of people that are getting post-viral symptoms and neuroinflammatory kinds of things. And it was a threshold kind of event, as you said. And then you had all these things otherwise going on. Mold is another big one that we're seeing now in a lot of these post-COVID patients is that that mold is a big aspect. And it was never an aspect before, but it was a threshold event. And then the immune system was depressed. And then you had these reactivations of Lyme, co-infections, mold, EBV, whatever you want to call it. But those aren't the major issue as much as it is those have to be addressed, but the, the major issue is the neuroinflammatory aspect of things. So if you can work on that brain inflammation and methylene blue can be one of those things that you can try. And, and I haven't had success with everybody that's tried this, but a lot of people that have, um, and I, and I've been surprised. And sometimes it's t- just taking a quarter, a couple times a day, and all of a sudden their brains is, is feeling better. They're able to function better. And then they can start managing and addressing some of those other things like their mold and like the Lyme, the co-infections. But on the Lyme co-infection side of things, there are, I have colleagues that are using methylene blue orally at higher doses, usually somewhere about 25 to 50 milligrams twice a day, as opposed to the trochies that we make are 16 milligrams, for example, mm-hmm. for Babesia. i uh, sorry. Yeah. For Bartonella. I'm sorry for Bartonella. And so that's one of the co-infections that happens a lot with, with Lyme, for example. Yeah. So specifically, and I know that that methylene is being used for that. And I also know not only is it being used orally in this capacity, but it's also being used IV yeah. in some integrative clinics around the country as well. So for these co-infections, then there's almost an argument that says to go at it different ways. Like you can, you can almost test the oral, see if you, if you get right. a response of any kind. And if you do get a response, think, okay, maybe what I need to do is now think about upping the game as it were and looking at the IV. And so then does your blood turn purple? <laughs> No, your urine will turn blue. It's the same thing. So the methylene blue concentrates in your urine, ladies and gentlemen. So that's why when you take any type of methylene blue, it's going to concentrate in your urine, your urine will turn blue. And 
sometimes, I mean, depending on what else you've had, like if you had B vitamins or something like that, you might have like a neon yeah. green. If you're really hydrated, it might be like a light blue. Like it just depends kind of thing. But sometimes people get like, oh my God, I just looked at the toilet and it's actual blue. Right. And, but it can actually look, you know, frankly blue, but in, in general, when it comes down to like understanding the formulation that's best for you, a lot of it depends on what's going on. If it's more of like a neuroinflammatory kind of thing that you're looking to address, the oral formulations are likely good. Okay. If there's infectious aspects right. of things, then higher, then higher dose oral and, or looking at IV may be something to look into as well. And so that's what a lot of clinics that are using methylene blue are doing. It's more so like mostly for the antiviral and the anti- uh, and the, and then all like the antibacterial aspects of things. But again, you know, methylene blue orally is actually as, and I didn't mention this, but the methylene blue itself is extremely bioavailable, which means that whatever you're taking in orally is almost hundred percent bioavailable. So the only reason to do it in the IV really is that you get higher concentrations faster. And then that's easier to do in an IV obviously than it is in any oral formulation. So, but that's something to be aware of. And, and so when I'm working with clients, in the, the clinical side of things, it's usually you know, using methylene blue orally. And then if I feel like there's a, an infection going on or, and they need a higher dose, then, we'll, then I'll refer them to uh, one of my colleagues that does IV methylene blue at higher dosing. Okay. Question or clarification. When you talk oral, yeah. like your trochies, first of all, it's a trochee. So trochee by definition is something that's going to get stuck up into the mucosal membrane. You're basically right. going to be absorbing it right into the, the, um, right to the cheek, right. So you're bypassing the gut, you're bypassing digestion, you're getting it straight into the bloodstream, which is a very elegant application. And I'm very grateful. You didn't tell us to put it under our tongues because our front teeth would then be super blue. And so you couldn't do it there, right? Right. Because there's all the, there's so much blood supply there. Well, actually it's different. There's actually four layers of mucosa in your cheek as opposed to one down here. So it's too fast here. And it's, and actually as a result of that, you don't get as much dissolved into your vascular area here into your mucosa because it's too fast. Uh, It's too, it's too absorbable. So then as a, as a result, you're not going to get it. It's because there's so much absorption, you don't get as, it's basically like a diminishing returns because it's, it's dissolving too fast to get absorbed. And so that you're just going to swallow more of it is what it comes down to. Um, so when it, a buccal trochee is something that goes between your cheek and yeah. your gums and it, and it dissolves over there about 15, to, about 15 to 30 minutes or so. And then we decided to make buccal trochees because they absorb over that time frame, and the cheek mucosa up here is slower to absorb. So it, it takes, it, it has enough time to absorb the active ingredients as it's, as it's dissolving. And as a result of also it dissolving in your mouth, it dissolves directly into the vascular system in your brain. So for people that have much more kind of brain focused symptoms, if they're having brain fog, if they're having cognitive issues, thinking, memory, et cetera, this is going to help you faster in that particular way because it's dissolving into your brain in that circulation. Wow. With again, as you mentioned too, uh, buccal trochees are bypassing first mass, first pass metabolism in your liver, which means they're not getting digested by your gut. They're not being digested by your liver. And as a result of that, you're getting more bioavailability of all the compounds that are being dissolved in your mouth. Yeah. Okay. The one caveat to that, and, and it's, I'm glad you made the, the distinction is that, um, methylene blue that's dissolved in your mouth and methylene blue that's digested same amount of bioavailability. Okay. So you can swallow your methylene blue and still get the same benefits. The difference though, is that it's not going to be as focused in your brain, in your brain circulation as it is in the rest of your body, because where methylene blue is going to go is where you have your most mitochondria. You have your most mitochondria in your yeah, muscles. Your heart in your brain, 
in your heart and your liver. So interestingly, when some of the clients that I've been working with, they swallow methylene blue, it seems to help them with like liver detoxification and helping with, with gut health as well in that capacity. So there are reasons to swallow methylene blue. And so for people that don't want to have their mouth blue and are, aren't looking as much for the cognitive piece, but more for the mitochondrial optimization systemically, mm-hmm. you can swallow our trochies and that's just fine too. And Very so cool. clinically that's how I use them. And of course you don't get to take the cool Instagram photos with your tongue being yeah. blue, but that's okay. I'd rather people use the product and benefit from them if they don't want their mouth to be blue and they don't have, but again, if, there, if there's more of a cognitive piece to this, then I do recommend they let it dissolve in their mouth first to see how that feels before they start just going to swallow. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I have so many questions. <laughs> so all quick fire the questions and you can decide what order. There's three questions. I'll try to go, sl- I'll be, I'm very bad at very small answers, but I'm going to try. Okay, good. So number one is sticking with the brain idea. So contraindications with, if somebody's on antidepressants, SSRIs, like that kind of right. stuff, number one. Right. Okay. Let's do that one first because the other two go together. This one's kind of a question. (laughs) So methylene blue is very good for most people, but the people that should not take methylene blue are people that are on SSRI drugs or any drug that prevents reuptake of serotonin from the neurotransmitters. Okay. Um, Also that does count also if you're on dopaminergic drugs, like most people aren't on these drugs, but if you're on like Parkinson's drugs, for example, that are increasing dopamine, you don't want to be taking methylene blue as well, because methylene blue is going to increase dopamine and serotonin. I don't usually mention this, but because we're talking about it, SSRIs are the most common. So these are your usual antidepressants and also some of the novel or newer antidepressants that have combined action with SSRI and norepinephrine or something like that. So please avoid it because the combination, at least the theoretical risk is that you could cause something called serotonin syndrome, which is not something that you want. It's basically have too much serotonin. Your body goes into like a, like a a spasmodic kind of thing and you just don't want to do it. Okay. It's unusual. I've never seen it, but it's possible, especially at high doses of methylene blue, but we just like to give the overall umbrella. Don't take SSRI. Don't take methylene blue if you're on SSRIs. And the other categories are in people that are pregnant women, obviously, and, and and, uh, breastfeeding women as well. So children, it's unclear that there's no real, we don't market our product to children. Uh, but methylene blue, there's no absolute contraindication in children, but there's no real data to say that it's, it's safe to use. So we say no kids yeah. either. Those are the major ones. Yeah. I mean, you might, you know, for a kid that gets malaria somehow and, and you had no other yeah. options, like you might look at it from a therapeutic perspective that way, but right. just, and, you know, hopefully most little kids aren't really in need of brain optimization. Although if you look at the number of kids that are being diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, God only knows, but anyway, that's a different topic for another day. So now the stacking of methylene blue with other therapies. So some of the medical doctors who are doing the methylene blue IVs are also shining a red light at the same time. And in a way, I guess, to activate the methylene blue in some way. Now we know red light's really good for mitochondria. Methylene blue targets mitochondria. Is that the only reason or is there something else? And then next, of course, speaking to your expertise, do you use methylene blue with hyperbaric chamber? So um, when it comes down to what's happening with light and methylene blue, it's super interesting. What, What got our attention early in the pandemic is that in January of 2020, there was a study published that methylene blue plus certain spectrums of light, actually UVC light, UVC specifically, uh, combined eradicated coronaviruses in red blood cells. So 
Um, so it was interesting to hear that this that that are, that data was already out there. That certain a certain spectrum of light plus methylene blue combined was antiviral was what it came down to, especially for coronaviruses. So that obviously got our attention before, like when the early pandemic was happening. And there are some interesting study groups that they were looking at in the beginning of the pandemic where, again, our product is not for this virus. Just let me be clear. I'm not saying that that's the case, but I'm just giving some of the research that was very interesting to us. In the beginning of the pandemic, they were talking about it. They're, they're still using high-dose methylene blue in places like France, actually, for cancer. And so they were noticing that the people that were on high-dose methylene blue were not getting the coronavirus. They weren't getting COVID as well. Mm-hmm. So very interesting things that were happening there. So but that was light notwithstanding on that. But to come back to light is that what I think is happening is twofold. With red light specifically, it's as you've just described it, Matt. You're giving red light. It's a mitochondrial optimizer. It's optimizing cytochrome uh, cytochrome, uh, cytochrome oxidase on the, on the electron transport chain. And you're just getting this additional stimulus to make more energy in the cells where you're shining the right light and the red light, excuse me. And then you're giving another way to produce energy at a higher clip because you have methylene blue around that acts like oxygen Mm -hmm. if there's not enough oxygen around. So I think it's a synergistic approach to make more energy, but there's also some interest in how blue light specifically from sunlight may be interacting with your cytochromes as well. And also activating methylene blue with the interactions of copper and a couple of other things on cytochrome oxidase as well. So that's the mitochondriac kind of stuff. That's the Jack Cruz kind of thing yeah. that if you look up his, some of his work, they'll talk about how the blue pigment itself of methylene blue, along with blue light is somehow interacting in your cytochromes to, to optimize energy production as well. But that's, that's Jack Cruz stuff. And not like, we're not really sure how much of that is happening, but it's super interesting. And what you'll find with most people that take methylene blue and then go into sunlight, it's like, it's just the dramatic stack for people. Like they'll feel like their brain is turned on. They'll feel this energy lift. And it's much more than just using methylene blue and light on its own. So mm. anyway, I think that's what's happening with methylene blue and light. Yeah. I think it's so sad that, you know, people on, there's so many people on SSRIs. There's so many people on these drugs and, and, and you know, unless you're able to find yourself a doctor who's willing to walk this path with you and maybe you know, figure out a way to take a break from the SSRIs and then try something like this to see, well, could this be a better solution for you? Um, but that would be the, that would be the only way to do it. Cause you're not, I mean, nobody's going to say, stop your meds and try methylene blue instead. Like you really want to find a practitioner who's going to yeah. road with you. I think one thing I think we should do is define for, for some of the listeners. I mean, a lot of people know what cytochromes are, um, but people don't, I think they're the coolest thing in the human body personally. Yeah, they are pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. that, so maybe we can define to people, what's a cytochrome? Why, why are they important? And well, well there's, I, I think the easy thing just to say is there's four complexes on your mitochondria, right? And then each of these complexes work together to shuttle electrons from your, the food you eat basically to, to make energy and right. And so, and all of them have different uh, interactions with, with the environment around us. All of them have different environmental toxins that they, that they don't like, you know, metformin affects complex one, for example, and like, but also it may have benefits because it does this hormetic effect to complex one. For So they're all, they're all working together in concert for help to help you make energy. And there's a this specific one that methylene blue seems to be most, uh, most affecting is complex four, which is it's called cytochrome oxidase. And, the, and that's the one that I, that I, that I usually focus on because that's the one that seems to be most affected by 
the work that I do, you know, in the sense of how methylene blue works and, and how light works as well. And, and maybe how, and maybe how we're photosynthetic organisms because of that particular complex as well. So there's a whole school of thought that we can make our own energy, you know, just with sunlight, right. And we don't need food or any other inputs to do this. So, um, I don't know how I, if I go that far, but you know, we have the breatharians of the world, right. That all you think you need is the prana from the air, you know, the energy from the air to do it. So, who knows, right? Sunlight. But anyway, so um, if anybody's interested, like there's great, you know, YouTube you guys can watch on how the complexes work and how this interaction works and how the, how far away these complexes are is also very interesting because if they're closer together, you make energy more effectively. If you're there further apart, you release heat more effectively and don't make energy as effectively. And that depends on where you are in the world, your, your evolutionary biology, you know, where you are, like if you're near the equator, if you're Northern latitudes and and or if you're in cold exposure, the things get they get closer together, so you make energy easier that way or more effectively that way. As opposed to if they're further away, you make heat more effectively. So you know there's a lot of cool things that that I play around with and in my clinical practice, which is what you were kind of alluding to. And so for me, when I'm thinking about methylene blue, I'm usually thinking about it in the context of the work I do to optimize health, mm-hmm. the health optimization medicine framework, which is a framework that looks at optimizing vitamins, minerals, nutrients, gut health, immune health, hormonal optimization, your environmental exposures, et cetera. And I do all that in concert with looking at various types of products and supplements and technologies and tools that you can use immediately to try to help you along the way. And I've mentioned a lot of those in the last five seconds, but the one of the big ones I use now, especially for my patients that are on the, the cognitive aspects seem to be the hardest for them is I start adding in methylene blue and, and I, and I've seen, I can start methylene blue in the beginning and I can start methylene blue over a period of time, over months, depending on the person. But I find that I can start it in almost everybody pretty early on to start helping them as long as they're being supported in other ways. That's the beautiful thing about it. I find that, uh, it's really universal in the way that it can help people. And as long as they're being supported. So because there will be a sub, certain subset of people that will come to me and say, I tried methylene blue and I felt terrible. And it's a small subset of people, but they will come to me and they say, I felt terrible. And I, for me, that's diagnostic oftentimes, because that means that there's a lot of toxicity ongoing yeah. that needs to be addressed most likely before they're really going to benefit even at low dose of this. Right. Particular I just can't do their thing. It's almost like they're right. like they're, right. they're right. in the mud. Right. So if I have people and they'll come us, come to us on Instagram or in my practice and say, you know what, I, I took a low dose of your methylene blue, five milligrams, which is four milligrams, a low dose. And I got a terrible headache and I, I got really fatigued. And, and that really means to me that they need to look at that optimization aspect of things and you know, what's going on cellularly before they start even revving up their processes at all before. Well, and that makes sense, it. right? You don't want to fire up an engine that's, that's full of gunk because you're just going to feel horrible. And then that goes along with the hyperbaric work that I do. It's like, I don't want to give them more energy production capacity in a chamber by giving them more oxygen. If their machinery is so mucked up in the process that they're just going to feel so terrible and not have any benefit, right? If they're not, if they have poor, if they have lots of oxidative load, if they're high inflammatory markers, like they're not going to do as well, most likely. So it's interesting. Like, you know, it's hard to know who those people are that are going to take like a low dose methylene blue and have that reaction sometimes um, versus those who are not, unless you can look at all their data first, if you have the ability to see what kind of, you know, cellular makeup they have, how, how optimized or how lack thereof they are. But, but in general, if, if you're using it in concept and the concept being like 
the framework. You're not just using this one product to try to change your whole life. You're just trying to use it as a tool to shift you using this more comprehensive look at your biology, you know, cellular biology. Folks, quick word from our sponsor, Berkeley Life Professional. If you've been listening for a while, you've probably heard me talk about nitric oxide, a vital molecule made naturally in the body, responsible for vasodilation and circulation. But as we produce less of it as we age, resulting in diminished blood flow, I, along with many of my listeners, have been supporting our nitric oxide levels with an easy daily dietary nitrate supplement called Berkeley Life. But did you know that nitric oxide also has topical impacts? Berkeley Life's new topical nitric oxide serum combines vitamin C and nitrite to create nitric oxide gas directly on the skin. I get a beautiful blush for about five or 10 minutes as the serum goes to work on my skin's microvasculature without any kind of burning or tingling sensation. I'm now using the serum daily alongside my Berkeley Life supplement. As the biggest organ in my body, I know my skin is thanking me for the improved delivery of oxygen and nutrients being delivered through my circulatory system, thanks to nitric oxide. Berkeley Life is available only through health practitioners. So you can access Berkeley Life products at berkeleylife.com and use my practitioner code NIDDBL to place your order and get 10% off that first order. Once again, berkeleylife.com. And now let's get back to the episode. No, that's really interesting because, you know, it's a fine line, right? Because originally we said, well, it could be really helpful with people with Lyme and EBV because they're suffering from such a lack of energy or maybe the long haulers. But, you know, there's a point where I guess you're so, the body is so impaired that it's just not time yet. Like you, you know, it's yet a little further because you did say also that, in a lot of cases, I mean, because there's so few things, right? But in a lot of cases, you can use this fairly early in the process and at least provide a little extra energy right, right, to the body right. and the person to go right. through the detoxification and all that. So it's really, it's, you know, in some ways, like you said, like it's a diagnostic yeah. signal to you. I don't want to call yes. it a diagnostic tool, but it's a diagnostic signal to you that says, wow, we got some work to do before. If you can't even have right. this, then we really have work to do. And what it usually is not is that there's a lot of infection going on. That's the major thing what I've found because people that have infection and you start giving them something that might even start treating the infection, but they're not being supported enough, like from a detoxification pathway perspective, tools, technologies, support, whatever you want to call it. That's the people that tend to feel worse. So I find that if people in that certain subset are not feeling well, it's usually infection. So it's mold, it's Lyme, it's it's a viral, you know, one of those kinds of things that it's happening that's causing their body to just detox very quickly, you know, hurt, like the hurt thing is like what people say in Lyme, but it, that's really just the larger word is just your body is just dealing with too much of an infection at this point, And that needs to be supported before you're going to start being able to really treat it with anti-infectives is what it comes down to. So I have another question then. So we know that there's there seems to be an application for it for some people who are dealing who are who are long haulers. Right. Um, would you not, or would you? Would it be? Have you seen it be helpful at all to people who are in the throes of like an influenza or a COVID infection? Like, does it sometimes help, or is it kind of like wait till the worst of it is over and then see if you need it on the other side, or is that too prescriptive? I don't know. If, you know. Yeah. Feel free yeah, I, I, mean, I can't question. I mean, we're not, we're not saying this is a treatment at all. I'm just saying right. if you did have an infection, an active infection, would you avoid using it? Or is it the kind of thing you might say, well, I'll give it a try and see if it's helpful to me. It, it's a really good question. Uh, I, I can say that one of the drugs that was being looked at 
extensively and, and somehow did not make the mark was a, a was an antidepressant called fluoxetine, yeah. right? Which is an SS. Yeah. With that, and it, it was uh, and it was it's an SSRI drug. It's an old, cheap drug, and didn't make the cut for some reason for the armamentarium of drugs that we're using in early COVID because Paxlovid came out and other Merck drugs and others that there's different pharmaceutical incentives, of course, for all this stuff, as we all know. But um, the short answer is that it's a possibility that a drug like methylene blue could be used in the acute setting. Now, I don't know for sure. I do have clinics that I was in touch with earlier in the pandemic that were using it IV mm -hmm. along with some other kinds of things together. And, and they were telling me that they were getting people as turn negative from positive in three days, for example. But again, I, I don't know. I can't recommend anybody do that per se. I've the most way I've been using it is in the post viral timeframe when people are, are getting over the, uh, the illness. This is not just for COVID too. We're talking about any kind of viral <laughs> illness, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, and again, I think it's because it's supporting the system. It's helping with mitochondrial optimization. It's helping decrease inflammation. And so it's certainly something that could be looked at in that capacity. I mean, for me, what I'm most excited about on the methylene blue side really is the cognitive yeah. optimization. And there's a researcher down in Texas. His name is Francisco Gonzalez Lima. Mm -hmm. And if any of your listeners really like research, he's done all this amazing research over the last 10 or so years looking at how Alzheimer's disease may be a blood flow issue. Sure. So you're not getting enough oxygen to your brain. So how can you enhance the ability to make more energy in your brain? Use methylene blue and use methylene blue because it helps produce more energy in your brain, even if there's not enough oxygen, or even if there is enough oxygen, but definitely helping support the brain if there's not enough oxygen around, because again, you're not getting enough blood flow there. So you're getting more methylene blue in the bloodstream. You're able to get more oxygen, more energy production in your brain as well. So he has some interest in how it might work with amyloid plaques and, and things like that. And, and some interesting studies that he's done on cognitive performance, memory, memory recall, those kinds of things using methylene blue. So where my interest mostly lays these, these, these days with, with our company is and how we can use methylene blue as a cognitive enhancer, as a cognitive optimizer. And then of course, stacking it with other things like nicotine and caffeine, all those other kinds of fun things to kind of, to bump up the productivity and focus just a little bit more. Perfect segue. I was thinking it's time for us to move into that piece. So you have two, there's two ways to use the methylene blue that you market. One is just blue, which is what it's called. Just blue, just methylene blue. And then the right. product that I used before the podcast, what I love about it, it's like, it's these teeny, it, it, by comparison, like they're tiny amounts, right? It's right. in that four trochee trochee, like that four bit trochee, there's a total of 50 milligrams of caffeine. There's right. a tiny bit of CBD in there, right? Five and, milligrams, yeah. And then a little tiny bit of nicotine, which we're using. Again, those of you who are listening to this have probably heard podcasts about how nicotine can be used, not in a cigarette, but as a as a cognitive enhancer. So maybe you just want to, we just yeah. talk quickly about why you pick those four things to work together. Yeah. So methylene blue, uh, nicotine, one milligram, like you said, in the full trochee, caffeine, 50 milligrams, is about, which is about a quarter cup of coffee. And then CBD, about five milligrams, five milligrams of CBD. So we don't know. It's not like about, we have a precision dosed and everything is titratable. So we know exactly how much is in each of your trochees where pharmaceutical grade, everything that we do is as much as we can. There's three docs, including myself, or so four docs, including myself, excuse me, on the team. So we were very intentional about the way we made these things. And we knew that nicotine 
it's been well studied for many, many years. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy around nicotine, but that's because nicotine's in cigarettes and in vaping products and the additives that go along with that, along with the immediacy of having a vape product or a a cigarette directly hit your bloodstream because you're inhaling it as opposed to a trochee, which is dissolved over 15 to 30 minutes, slow release form mm-hmm. and pure nicotine, non-tobacco derived as well. But nicotine is a fantastic cognitive enhancer. It's been around and known to be this for many, many years. And there are studies on memory, focus, verbal fluidity, recall, uh, productivity, other things. There's a lot of other aspects of how nicotine has been studied. And, and so at low doses, it's really great at this. And the, and the, the addictive potential is extremely low because you're not vaping it. You're not smoking it. And it's low dose all at the same time. So we use it in a trochee at one milligram. And then most people only use about a half of a trochee at a time, except for you, Nat, who uses full net, <laughs> use a full trochee. But, um, but for most people, like the average dose is about a half of a trochee. So it's about, you know, half of a milligram of nicotine, and then it's only 25 milligrams of caffeine, but nicotine and caffeine are both stimulants. So they stimulate the body to enhance its neurotransmitter release, things like acetylcholine and dopamine, serotonin, but acetylcholine and dopamine, especially. So you're getting this cognitive bump and everybody loves caffeine, except for people that don't drink it anymore. Like me, I do miss it sometimes, but for caffeine, me and caffeine, we, 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 we broke up about three years ago. So we only, I only have a little bit these days, but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. I got more sensitive over the years, but what's important also with this product is that if you want really hyper-focus productivity, verbal fluidity for three to five hours, this is your product because it's going to give you that. And we have people that are using it when they're doing podcasts, of course, or when they're writing their copy, doing lectures, Whenever you need to be focused and on, it's like flow on demand is what I like to call it. We used to call it our limitless pill, but people have a bad memory of that pill because it also had a downside. The nice thing about ours is that the the come up is real easy and the come down is real easy on something like blue canatine because it has CBD in it because the CBD gives you that nice on-ramp and nice off-ramp because it's it's an anti-inflammatory. It gives you a little bit of bliss along the way. CBD is a great anti-inflammatory as well as it, it helps with increasing the amount of a neurotransmitter in your body, in your brain called anandamide, which is your most important neurotransmitter for bliss and for uh, making you feel good. We used to think it was endorphins, but no, it's anandamide actually. that's doing a lot of that. Yeah. So CBD is nice for that. And so you have this nice on-ramp and this nice off-ramp. So 15 to 30 minutes, it, it comes up and then then three to five hours, you have this productivity focus, get shit done flow. And then you have a nice off-ramp at the end. So no come down. That is in case... There's, there's one little thing that I want to mention there is that, like I was mentioning, caffeine and I don't get along very well. And if you are sensitive to certain things, you want to start at lower doses of these things, of course, as well, but there are stimulants in them too. So if you're taking these things over a long-term, they could overclock your system, right? You could, you, this is not something you probably want to take every day as opposed to methylene blue by itself. What we were talking about earlier, that's something that I feel you can take most days of the week and be supportive. But if you're taking nicotine and caffeine every day, this is going to overclock you over time. And this is kind of, it's like the larger ethos of our company, the transcriptions company, which is that we're not making products just to make products. We're making products in the context of you optimizing your health with the nonprofit that we also run called health optimization, medicine, and practice and training practitioners in this framework, how to optimize your health. And then having these tools, these trochees in this case, that can help you with your brain function right now that can optimize your mitochondrial function right now that can help you with anxiety and sleep. But we'll talk about a little bit later right now, but in the context of doing those 
optimization strategies at the same time as using these tools to help get you where you want to go right now. Right. Yeah, no, I love that. And so basically the canatine, the true blue canatine, which is the one that I used before the podcast, I would use that in a punctuated way, strategically when I need that support. And even though I could argue, well, I need it every day. So I might cycle it in with other nootropics that I use just so that I'm not right. hitting the same pathways. And that's the, it's a good point, right? Like you don't want to hit the same pathway over and over again, because there will be a price to pay on the other side. Yes. yes. Love the gentle down ramp, off ramp, as you describe it, because there have been other formulas of nootropics I've used in the past where I would be really good for a few hours and then I'd be really mean. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. Mad. yeah. There's, yeah. <laughs> it was one of the, there's the come down. Yeah. It, it was not yeah. good. Like I was, and it took me a while to figure it out. I'm like yeah. being so nasty. And then all, <laughs> I put two and two together. It's like every day I do that, I do this. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe we need to yeah. figure out the antidote to that. But speaking of antidotes, Today, before the podcast, like you, I'm very sensitive to caffeine. So I don't, I, I, but I love coffee. So I drink my decaf in the morning and I'm happy as a clam because I like the smell and the taste. That to me was the whole, it's kind of like salad dressing is the whole it's ritual. salad. Yeah. Coffee taste smell is the whole point of coffee. I don't really care about the caffeine. No, I, I'm with you. Yeah. But, but before we go, I just want to mention one thing on the clinical side of blue canatine. Yeah. And this is taking off my transcriptions hat and putting on my clinical side for a yeah. minute is that. I have had some people come back at me and tell me that if they're using drugs for ADHD, for example, yeah. like drugs that are trying to help them focus. So, you know, what, what it seems to be able to do for people that like, so basically like recovering ADHD people, ADHD people that used to be on all these drugs, yeah. they tell me that the feeling is very similar, except they don't feel like they're as locked in and jittery as a lot of these other, like the ADHD, ADHD drugs will, will make them feel. And then in some people, they've been able to wean off some of their drugs using this product, but only in the, in the setting of doing this, like in the context of working with a doctor or a practitioner that can help them. Okay. But just, I just want to throw that out there that there may be a reason to use this more regularly, like on a daily basis people. in people, in people that have clinical aspects of ADHD and other attention issues where they're already using pharmaceuticals, but they don't want to use those anymore. Right. But again, you don't stop your final pharmaceuticals because I'm telling you to, you're, you're going to do something maybe more intentional and find a doctor that can help you wean off your pharmaceutical first, and then potentially look at something that, that like this, that could potentially help you, but not, you know, not just stopping your meds. But so that'll be the only use case that I can think of where you'd want to use blue canatine every day, right, for example, right, right. on average, most people that use are use this particular product will use it two to three times a week at, at most, I mean, sometimes more, like if you have like a big week, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a lot going on, but otherwise it's, it's more targeted. And then for me, I mean, I just, I feel great just using methylene blue myself and I don't need the stimulants to have that same effect that I get the focus from just, you know, from just blue, for example. Okay. So that's going to be my next yeah, question. Yeah. So you could use yeah. the just blue for cognitive as well. Yeah. And then sometimes what I'll do honestly is I'll just use a little bit, I'll have the just blue and then I'll just have a, like a little bit of nicotine. It's just like, you know, because nicotine also, which is on like by itself, like in a gum or in a, like in a lozenge or something like that, because nicotine itself is, is much shorter acting than caffeine as well. Mm -hmm. So caffeine has got a longer half-life. So it stays in your body for longer. Nicotine lasts like an hour or maybe oh, okay. two. And so sometimes what I'll use is just is use just blue. And then on top of just blue, I'll have like a little bit of nicotine. And like, I think that's a great stack actually for people that are sensitive to caffeine like me. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do, for example. Nice. I like that. I'm actually, I'm, I'm kind of smiling because I'm thinking, oh, we're you and me and, and Dr. Ashikusa are going to be uh, maybe speaking at an event together next March. 
three of us will go up there with our blue tongues and <laughs> yes. we'll have more colors by then. A lot more colors by then, no doubt. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to segue to our next, the next topic only because a we're long on time because we like to talk a lot and B, although I think there's lots of good information here and B, it just so happens that I needed it today. So being sensitive to caffeine, I, was, I said to Scott, while we, just as we were starting to record, I'm like, you know, I'm feeling the ca- and I'm feeling the caffeine, which is weird because I actually, you know, unlike myself, I only did half a trochee this time, but I still feel the caffeine. So the two things I wanted to say about that is number one, the point I think that's important to make is you're getting away with such low doses of all of these different ingredients yes. because there's an amplification effect of right. each one to the other. So you're getting more, it's it's as if you were synergy. you're getting the synergy. But your yeah. suggestion to me, which actually was really good, well, not surprisingly, because you know the stuff you eat, live and breathe it, was to use a quart, not even an eighth of the trocalm, which is the other trophy that you guys have in your arsenal. Yeah. yeah. Essentially to take the edge off the caffeine. And I can tell you that it worked because my words are coming out in much better flow. <laughs> tripped up because my brain was working faster than my tongue. And yes. You know, like, Yes. And so now let's move into the trocom world because yes, so a different color, a different indication, but all in the same framework, right? Because trocom was developed one of the major things. I mean, as a I was a primary care doctor in an office in Baltimore for one year after I finished residency. And this is a regular straight up primary care office and about 70% of the things that I saw were anxiety and stress. Mm-hmm if not more. Yeah. And what, what primary care doctors do is prescribe antidepressants because that's all they have. They don't want to prescribe the anti-anxiety medications, the benzos of the world and the barbiturates, which we don't do a whole lot of, but especially the benzos, the Ativans, the Xanax, the Valiums, because these are addicting products and the body is can get under significant addictive potential and also very difficult to get off of these drugs. Yeah. And so it was always very near and dear to me as a as an internal medicine physician to find something that we could use for our health optimization medicine clients that could work on cutting that anxiety, cutting that anxiousness and that stress, um, but without all the, the potential side effects that can happen with all these other drugs out there or drinking alcohol, for example. And because alcohol is a way that a lot of people wind down these days, still, even though alcohol should be illegal as far as I'm concerned, and the other one should be legal. But anyway, um, the amount of, I mean, I still work part-time in the hospital. I think you know that, Matt. And, and I, I mean, you know, three quarters, not three quarters, like half of what I see is alcohol related. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous, yeah. especially living in the middle of the country these days. But if you count, if you count Colorado, the middle of the country, I'm kind of the Midwest. I don't know the mountains, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But anyway, so long story short is that we wanted to make a product that worked on that capacity to help to decrease stress, anxiety, and just make you feel chill. And so Dr. Ted, who will, like you said, you're going to, we're going to be speaking together next year, but try to get him on a podcast with you sometime soon too, is, is he's a fantastic brain formulator. And so he took these four compounds and we put them together in a trochee. One of them, we, you, I think you've spoken about on your podcast before is Kava. Yeah. Kava is a great compound to help you increase the amount of GABA that's ongoing or that's, that's available in your brain. And GABA is your inhibitory neurotransmitter. It's a neurotransmitter in your brain that relaxes you, that calms down neuron firing. So it stops the brain from like chattering like crazy and just calms you down. Okay. So that's, we have Kava in the formula. We also have two cannabinoids in there, both non-psychoactive ones, CBD, which we already discussed, and another one called cannabidrol or CBG. And CBG is very interesting. 
it doesn't really work on the CBD1 and CBD2 receptors like the rest of the cannabinoids do. It works on other receptors, pain receptors, um, insulin receptors, and other receptors that, and temperature receptors. So it seems to be able to modulate in like in a weird, interesting, holistic way to work on ways that we interpret signals in the body. So pain, temperature, um, and insulin, which is really interesting. So, but we used it because there's some data to think that, that when you're, when you actually modulate pain receptors and temperature receptors, especially you can actually decrease pain and decrease anxiety as a result of that. So, um, it's very new, although CBG is like, it's called the mother of all cannabinoids because all the cannabinoids start off as CBG and then they get, they get broken down into others, including CBD, interestingly enough. But so CBG in, in low doses seems to be really interesting for anxiety and for pain. So uh, just to kind of give a little bit of detail there. So CBD, CBG, and then the last one that we use is called something called nicotinyl GABA. And this is a very interesting form of GABA that's attached to a vitamin B3. Uh, vitamin B3 molecule. And so uh, by, by being attached to a B3, it becomes much more blood brain barrier permeable. So it gets through the blood brain barrier easier. Um, if you just take a GABA supplement, an oral GABA supplement, very little of that is bioavailability. Mm-hmm. Remember when we talked about earlier, like buccal absorption versus you know gut absorption for GABA, it doesn't matter. GABA just does not get through the blood brain barrier on its own. So, but if it has a carrier molecule with vitamin B3 here, it gets off, gets over very easily and increases GABA directly. So it doesn't stimulate GABA release. It's actually GABA itself. So by having more GABA there, along with the release of GABA from the kava, then you have CBD, which is helping neuroinflammation. It's helping with your bliss. You have CBG, which also is helping various ways of decreasing inflammation, pain, pain sensitivity, temperature regulation, all together make you feel calm. That's why you, we call it trocom. But we dose it in a way where you can have a little bit of it just to take the edge off and just relax a little bit. So performing better. So for podcasts, I'll often use a little bit of trocom like you did, like, like an eighth of it or a, or a fourth of it, um, with a little bit of nicotine actually, because nicotine helps me with the verbal fluidity things. And so, or sometimes with glucanotine as well. I mean, so we have the idea of like, I I, I get, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. So the idea really is that the the trochee itself can be titrated in a way that you can use it for like in a small dose for performance and then a larger dose for relaxation, taking the edge off at a, at a larger level and also potentially for sleep as well. And it's not directly a sleep aid in the sense that uh, like a sleep aid would be like to make you fall asleep in like in the way that most sleep aids would work, but it, it works in the way of turning off your brain and the ruminating thoughts that you might have before bed. And so if you're able to turn off your brain, you're going to go to bed faster. And then in some people, it seems like it's increasing deep sleep. I know we talked about a little bit about that before the podcast too, Nat. And that's what I find is that when I take it before bed, it does increase my deep sleep as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I've only, I've only tried it once for bed and last night, what was notable for me in my sleep is that my HRV seemed to take a bit of a jump. So, but we agreed right. that I'm going to do this a few times before I run around right. screaming that right. made my HRV better. <laughs> but of course, right. If you're on Netflix until 1230 at night and you're, you're, you're you have poor light exposure. And so like yeah. sleep hygiene is important, right. Sure. But we don't always have the ability to do that. If you're at a hotel, if you're in a new environment or whatever, you need to have some tools and tricks that will help you relax and get you to bed faster. So this is one of the things that, that I'll use when I travel. And a lot of people that use Trocom will use it when they travel as well, because it helps them in new environments when they don't have the same 
sleep routine that they typically would have in other places. And for me personally, that's what happens when I go into a hotel room. My mind doesn't want to shut off at night when I go to bed. So this is one thing that helps me a lot. Tell me, relax. You take 30 minutes or an hour before you go to bed, you let it fully dissolve You do your other sleep stack or whatever you might have. Uh, and then this is just something else that might help. But the key for this particular product on that is that not only is it titratable, but there really is no tolerance to it. There's no potential dependability or dependence to it either, mm -hmm. because the way that it's working on the receptors is nothing at all. Like you would be taking a benzo or drinking tons of alcohol every night. Yeah. When you do that, it actually changes the receptor confirmation and how many receptors you have available. Um, and then that gives you the addictive potential and also the withdrawal potential that you could have with benzo, with diazepines and, and with alcohol specifically. So there's no indication that kava has that effect. There's no indication that CBD, CBG or nicotinogaba could do any of those things. So you can basically, you know, play with it, find what works for yes. you, and then you can use it as much as you need it kind of thing. You can use it nightly. Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah, that's what I typically will have people do, especially in the beginning when they're they're looking to have insomnia. They're looking to you know, shift off of certain other kinds of practices or modalities that they've been using that haven't been effective is try to use it very regularly initially. And then try to, you know, again, if you, not everybody want, and I understand this, you don't necessarily want to take something every night to help you fall asleep, even if it's something that's natural or something that's not addictive or whatever. So over time, what I find is that people don't typically need it every night. If they can get their sleep routine in order, if they have you know optimized levels of vitamins, minerals, nutrients, blah, blah. Like if they're doing well, otherwise they have, you know, good relationships and those aren't toxic as well. And, you know, like then if you're working on everything, everything else, typically your sleep is going to get better too. And this is just, you know, icing on the cake kind of thing over time. Yeah. I mean, this is a little bit, I guess, I mean, it's almost like a hack until you get your, the rest of your house in order to help with the slowdown and the shutdown, the wind down. Right. Then really it's a wind down. Right. Exactly. Right. It's right. It's a wind down thing. Yeah. It's yeah. I think it's better than, better than a sleep aid. It's more of like a wind down kind of tool. And then that's how I, that's how I typically will frame it for most people. Mm -hmm. And it's extremely effective. And it's just amazing to me and how many people that I speak to that like 80% of what I hear coming out of their mouth is related to stress and anxiety. So if we can just work on something that help that works immediately and on demand, and then we can start working on some of the additional aspects of their meditations, their relationships, their food, their diet, their supplements, their, their lifestyle, et cetera. Uh, that's really the way I think this product works really most dramatically for a lot of people. For sure. And I would think that even as a meditation aid, you know, people go to yeah. aid or do their breath work and then, and I mean, look, meditation is a practice. Nobody's really that good at it, except for maybe a few choice people on the planet. And so, sure. you know, the point of bringing your attention back to your breath or whatever it is you're focusing is the point of the practice People sometimes right. get frustrated. They're like, well, my wine's wandering all the time. And I'm like, that's okay. That this, that's is, supposed to this is building the muscle. But this right. may, this could actually maybe be a really interesting addition to that practice to help yeah. you to ease into it a little bit. Well, I think as a wind down mm -hmm. aspect of like, if you do a meditation in the evening and are winding down, I think absolutely. But what's interesting is that my favorite way to use blue canatine and methylene blue in general is for meditation. Because yeah. if you have more focus, especially if you practice like more of a focused awareness type of meditation, which is what I used to do a lot initially, you can come back to your breath a lot easier because you're focused, right? So if you have a focused awareness practice on your breath, you're going to stay with your breath much easier in that capacity. So yeah, the first time I used blue canatine, I think when we were testing, it was during a meditation and it was dramatic, the change and how easy it was for me to sit and just be and not fall asleep. Because sometimes, you know, when you're meditating, 
if you're like me and you have four kids running around and you've only sit down and meditate in your car before you go home, <laughs> you, uh, you sometimes fall asleep and that's okay. It's I, I'm okay going to bed, but you know, sometimes you want to like have the practice. Right. And so like a little bit of bucanatine or for me now, like it, it used to be bucanatine. Now for me, it's methylene blue, but we get a lot of, a lot of responses from people that using blue canatine helps them meditate and then using blue and using methylene blue specifically for breath work is very interesting because the combination of increasing your parasympathetic tone and also doing various maneuvers while you're doing breath work, whether it be, you know, exercise or like if it's a Wim Hof sort of thing, for example, like it seems to be very dramatic for people, how they vibrationally change. They tell me when they use methylene blue at the same time. So just food for thought for people that are interested. So when you say methylene blue, you're talking about the true blue. Yeah. Just blue. Yeah. Just blue. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, I mean, yeah, that's okay. Um, and for blue canatine, I see this more of as a focused getting shit done targeted kind of thing, uh, for meditation. It works for people, especially like me, who is really just starting to meditate uh, about four, about four years ago when we first started using this product and it actually did help me a lot because I was going everywhere and I just had a hard time focusing and coming back to the breath. Right. Um, as my practice has, has matured, I don't feel like I need the focus as much the methylene blue just gives me that energetic support, but it doesn't, I don't need as much of that focus. I'd rather use that, the blue canatine to do my work or get something more, you know, flowing, whatever it might be creative, creatively going, because the cool thing about blue canatine is like, you feel like you're focused, but you're not like, like, so tunnel vision when you can't be creative and take things out of different sides of your brain and or out of the, you know, out of the ether or whatever you want to call it. So um, just in other ways that, that I've used the products and that we've gotten a lot of feedback that the products can be used and with Trocon, we're still learning. It's a, it's a newer product for us. And we're always interested in feedback. The deep sleep was a very surprising thing for us. We didn't realize that deep sleep would be a big thing for us, but it, it but it is. Yeah. And, and that's great. I mean, if you're not getting a lot of deep sleep, you're not getting a lot of recovery. And we all know how that feels. So, well, I mean, it, it kind of, it, you know, it makes sense in a sense, because if you're quieting the mind, you'll have a, it'll be, there'll be fewer obstacles between you and getting into that deep phase of sleep. But I think, right. you know, the point that's interesting about the trocom is to, is to make the point that for people can use it during the day, like yeah. it's not going to, and I think it's important what you just said, like, it doesn't put you to sleep. It doesn't make you tired. It just makes you a bit more chill. It gives you, right. particularly with people with anxiety, I would think that for them, and maybe it also depends on the person, how it will right. affect them based on where they are kind of on that scale of agitation or anxiety or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So sympathetic dominance is the key, right? Because if we're in fight or flight, our frontal lobes shut off yeah. and we can't think it's like getting it's like the deer in the headlights idea mm -hmm. and like your brain shuts off and you can't, or like you're in front of a crowd and you, you, you freeze mm -hmm. because your brain shuts off. And so the idea for lower doses of this product, like a, a quarter, maybe even an eighth for some people is to just take that notch down a little bit so that the brain can function. And then you can have that beautiful conversation that you've been practicing for weeks and you can give that lecture or whatever. And, but the, but the higher dosing, the three quarters of a trochee to a full trochee is going to make you more, more relaxed. It's going to make you more chill and less focused at that level, but that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed yeah. to give you that, that chill at the end of the day. And, you know, it's interesting because I've worked with some clients that I've used this with clinically that they are like, I can't believe I'm so tired. I'm yawning. And then they get anxious about that because they're not used to not being in sympathetic mode, right? Mm -hmm. These people are so sympathetically driven now that their brains are 
scared that they're not in sympathetic mode. <laughs> so they start freaking out that they're not in sympathetic mode. And so it's, it's a super interesting, but, but you can work through that with people, right? Because if you just, you just have to kind of create the intention, allow them to understand this is how they're going to feel. And then using it in context that they feel most comfortable initially. So like the first time you use Trocom, it's not when you're t- doing your first podcast with somebody, right? Because yeah. you don't want to do that. Like, because then you're going to get anxious that you're going to be too calm, right? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how the psychology works, but these are all the context of, of playing around with what works for you, but always starting at low dose and titrating up to what you need, unless you're not, and you just start with the full trochee, but that's just how Nat does. That. It's only because nobody told me, but I actually <laughs> really was digging it. I was like, I love this stuff. <laughs> Getting so much done. Um, and you know, Definitely. It, it was, um, it was a fun ride for me. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, when we're, when we're at conferences, we usually have people start with a half or a full for sure. Yeah. And at a biohacking conference, a full, come on. Yeah, I mean, let's do this. You're, you're <laughs> man up. <laughs> well, it's like the, for us, it's like the AM PM solution, right? In the morning, if you, if you need to be hop, you need to be ready. You need to be focused three to four hours. You take your bucanatine and then at night you need to wind down. You take your trocom. Like we're, we're, I mean, it's funny for me even to say these things because like I grew up with a chiropractor dad who didn't use drugs for anything. Right. So, but to even think about doing this, but when the time is right and appropriate, this is what you can use it for. Like if I'm at a conference, blue canotine in the morning, trochom at night. Right. Or for me, just blue with a little bit of nicotine during the day and then trochom at night to calm down. So again, I'm not telling people to, to, tell, to use these things every day, but I think that they can be very much used appropriately and, and for really great results if you're using them in, in an intentional way. Basically. Yeah. No, it's all about the situation. And for some people, the trocom could be a morning thing. You know, if you don't, it's, it, I mean, really it's about finding that balance, right? Cause I, some other people, if you're fully anxious, as you said earlier, if you're very anxious, that frontal prefrontal cortex shuts down, you can't really think that well with the trocom what could happen is you could access greater creativity, a little bit right. like how people are using microdosing of psilocybin mm-hmm. or LSD, mm-hmm. let's say they feel that it helps them be more creative. Well, if you're not, if your brain's not chattering or fibrillating or whatever it's doing, cause you're anxious and you're more chill and you don't have, and, and I think what you said is so important. You, it's almost like you give yourself permission to not be type A person, right? You're giving right. yourself permission right. to slow down a little bit and to open the doors in a different way. Right. So I think just that's- Throughout your, your just the ability to be more lateral thinking, to, to be creative, to let things kind of flow instead of pushing, yeah. right? As most of us do. I mean, blue canatine for the flow, but also for some people that's going to be too much because they're already on the hyped up, anxious side of life yeah. um, or they're sensitive to the, the stimulants. And it's just going to be like, I can't think it's too much. Right. And so that can happen with, with too high of a dose of blue canatine for some people. So yeah, it's, it's about, it's about learning what's best for you. This is the world of N equals one experiments. We're not telling you exactly what to do. We're just giving you guidelines, telling you how, how to be safe with certain things and, and then you know, experiment away and see how it goes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. We could keep going for a really long time. <laughs> you know, people at this point are saying like, are they going to stop talking? <laughs> so maybe what we'll do is we'll wind this down. And Scott, I don't know if there's, I always give people that it's like last call. Is there anything that we didn't get to that you really wanted to cover in this podcast? Or is there a parting thought you want to leave people with? And, and then we'll wind it down. Well, Matt, it's always a pleasure. And yes, your audience would get bored if we kept talking on and on and on. <laughs> and, but I hope this was interesting in the sense 
terms of learning a little bit about my company, it's called Transcriptions. Yeah. It's with a TRO, prescriptions with a TRO. So transcriptions.com and on Instagram. And yes, our products do make your tongues various colors. Mm -hmm. uh, the Trocom makes your tongue a little bit orange and the blue canatine and methylene blue, the just blue, both make you quite blue, but it doesn't last forever. And as I was mentioning earlier, the just blue, you can actually swallow mm -hmm. for the bioavailability of methylene blue is about the same either way. It just won't be as much of a brain hit. It'll be more of a full systemic mitochondrial optimization, which is not a bad thing. We can all use yeah. that. So you know, that's how I use it a lot of times too. And so I think given that it's always important to mention our nonprofit health optimization, medicine, and practice home hope org is the name of the location. And we're training doctors and practitioners on a framework that my mentor and colleague, Dr. Ted Atricoso developed to optimize health rather than treat disease. Mm -hmm. And so as Dr. Ted likes to says, Ted likes to say, you know, disease is managed and health is optimized. And so that's really what we're doing here with a framework that's training docs. And so if you're interested, go ahead and check that out. And we'll probably have another podcast with Dr. Ted on Nat's podcast to talk more about that and how you can get trained, but you can always, always go over there get some info now. And so everything we do at transcriptions is in the framework of looking to find you ways to feel good now and address things that are bottlenecks on your path to optimizing your health. And so at transcriptions, we like to say we're de democratizing enlightenment. And the idea is that we're giving you these cheat codes to help you do it, but you still got to do the hard work. Mm -hmm. uh, that is the daily practices. That is the health optimization. So there are some ways to cheat your way a little bit here and there, but you know, doing the hard work over the long term is what's most beneficial. So those would be my parting thoughts. Thank you. I love it. That's that's awesome. And I can't wait for that next conversation. So guys, if you decide to go to transcriptions.com and get yourself some true calm and some or some just blue or some blue canatine or one of each and start playing around, you can use discount code NAT10 and that'll get you 10% off. And other than that, I think we're just gonna thank. Scott for his time and energy and presence today and say until next time. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Thanks, Nat. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.